Sunday, singing with the whales and the stars, how great is our God. Uh, take out your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John, the book of 1 John, way towards the back of your Bibles. We're in our second week of, of working our way through the book of 1 John, and just a reminder of how this book works, because it's different than, than many of the other books of the Bible. It's not laid out to win a debate, to lay out an argument, to lay things out, A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. Remember, we talked about that last week. Instead, I, I use the analogy, it's like, it's like John in his book throws, throws pebbles into a pond. In fact, I thought of this years ago uh, as part of a sermon series. We had paintings up front, and Kirk Lepine or Roberta Van Heitzma had one of the, this one up front. I thought of that with the, I found it this past week of the book of First John. This is really what he does. He, he takes major ideas and throws them into this pond and let the ripples go out and, and different ideas then meld together. And so if you were to read through the book straight, you'd find the same idea kind of popping up in all different places. Um, and so last week, uh, the major truth that, that he threw into the pond and didn't see if that was going to stay or not. Good, it will. The major truth that he threw into the pond of this book was, was the truth of obedience. What does obedience mean? What does it mean to live for Jesus? Remember we talked about living in the light or living in the darkness? You had the choice. Are you going to dance in the light? The light of truth and goodness? The light of God and holiness? Are you going to hide from the light and step out and live in the darkness where there's brokenness and sin? By his grace, by the power of Jesus, we have the choice. We can... We can step into the light holding his hand by his grace and his forgiveness. So last week he threw that, that, that stone of obedience into the book. Okay, this week, second major truth that he's throwing into this book is, is, the, is the, the idea of truth. What is truth? What is it that we believe? What is it that we need to hold to? What is the truth that needs to, to guide our lives and direct us and, and the truth that we follow? And he calls his, his first century listeners here, he calls them to remember throughout chapter 2 here, to remember what is true. He tells them right up front, I'm not going to teach you anything new here. Okay? I'm not going to give you new ideas and new thoughts. I just need you to remember what you already know. So listen for that as we read. First John chapter 2, let's pick it up at verse 15 and we'll read uh, through verse... 27. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. 
Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it was taught you, remain in him. Don't miss that at the very end, verses 24 and 25. I think that's a key line to the section. He says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. Again, John's making clear here at the very start, I'm not teaching you anything new. I just need you to remember what you already know. It's a message that we need to hear still today too. A lot of us know the truth. We've been taught the truth. We just need to remember it now. We need to remember to to live it out. We need to hold on to it. And honestly, remembering can be really difficult, can't it? The older I get, I find myself forgetting things more and more. Remembering gets harder as I get older, right? Some of you, maybe some of you experience that. I doubt it, though. Maybe it's just me here, right? All of a sudden, it's harder to remember names. It's harder to remember dates. All the information that used to stick in my head kind of, kind of, falls out like through a sieve now. And so I find myself putting sticky notes everywhere <laughs> to remember what I have to do. I, I put alarms on my calendar so I won't forget. And I see my kids doing homework and uh, I'm reminded of all that I've forgotten, especially when they do math. I used to do that stuff. I don't have a clue what they're talking about anymore. I just realize how much I've, remembering is hard. And, yet, and there's also those times where, where I'm certain of something but I begin to doubt. You ever have that where, where I'm so certain that I'm right about something, but someone else is so certain that they're right and, and we don't agree that I begin to doubt? Maybe, maybe I don't really know. Maybe I'm not remembering well. And that's why I'm thankful for Google, right? I can quick find the computer, do a Google search and prove that I was right as usual, right? Well, the people that John is writing to here in the first century, they don't have Google at their fingertips, Okay, they can't go and, and search this truth. In fact, they don't even have you know, this book in print. Remember, they're receiving this letter from John for the first time. There's not this, this book and this bank of truth and knowledge for them to, to rush back and say, well, let me check that out. Let me just pull out the Bible and, and confirm that what I'm hearing is right and true. This, this Jesus truth. That you and I know so well, and maybe we take for granted that we know it so well. This Jesus truth was a brand new thing. It was, it was cutting edge. It was strange for the rest of the world. It's normal for us, and it was strange for them. And so as they, as they lived out this Jesus truth in community, and as, as people kept kind of challenging them and pressing them and saying, Really? It became easier and easier to doubt the truth that they came to know about Jesus. Right? They're, they're one of the first ones. They're beginning a whole new era where the eyewitnesses to Jesus' ministry are gone. Right? Most of them have, have died off. 
the Apostle John is one of the last eyewitnesses to, to stick around and, and to live. And so more and more, they need to be depending on the word of others instead of seeing with their own eyes. And so these second and third generation Christians, again, they're beginning to have doubts about what's been taught to them about Jesus. They were really wondering, is, were my parents right? Is, is this really true? You know, and, and often... They were challenged not maybe by people saying, hey, you are completely wrong. There's some of that. But often those subtle seeds of doubt get planted. That's the way Satan so often works, doesn't he? He, he doesn't need to get us to, you know, if we're heading this way towards Jesus, he doesn't necessarily need us to get us to, to turn right around and go the opposite way. So often G, Satan just tries to get us to go off course a little bit. A little bit. And, you know, if you're off course five degrees and you go a long ways, you're going to be a long ways from where you intended to be. And, and Satan sows those little seeds of doubt. He did it in the garden, right? Remember the question he asked Eve? He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, of course that wasn't what God said. God said you may not eat from one tree, just one. But that seed of doubt is planted in, in Eve's mind, right? What, what did God really say? What did God really mean? Is God really on my side? Is it really true? And the doubts begin to grow. Well, for these readers, these same doubts are chipping away at the truth of who Jesus is that they've been taught. Satan's using the exact same technique to try to thwart God's words spoken to them. Now, these believers, John makes it clear, they know the truth already. They have been taught the truth. And the truth is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, who came in the flesh to die for their sins. They know that. They know that's the truth. Now they just need to remember it. They need to stand firm in it. They need to hold on to it tightly. Because the temptation will be to doubt. The temptation will be to forget that truth. The temptation will be to change sides. Remember remember the game Red Rover, Red Rover, that used to play in the playground as a kid? Right when, if you don't, if you're not familiar with it, you, you know both teams you split up to equal sides and and you hold hands with people on your team so you have two lines facing each other, and um, if I'm one team and there's a whole bunch of me here and you're the other team, I'd call out to someone, Red Rover, Red Rover, let Ashley come over, right? And she needs to run as fast as she can to try and break through the grip on my hands. If she breaks through, then she wins. She gets to pick one of us, and we get to go to the other team. If she doesn't break through, Ashley's on our team. There's a lot, of, a lot of changing sides. A lot of going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Well, that's what's happening here. These, these believers have already changed sides once. right? Jesus has called them and said, Red Rover, Red Rover, let, let Ashley come over to my side, to the side of truth. And they came. And they left behind the darkness. They left behind the falseness. And they accepted the truth of Jesus Christ. And they, they, they were on his side. And now the forces of the world are saying, Red Rover, Red Rover, come on back over here. Come on back to this side. And the temptation is to change sides again. Return to the side of, of darkness. What the world says is so good. What the world says is so comfortable. What the world says is true. They need to hold strong, John says, to what they know is true about Jesus. Because there are convincing lies that are chipping away at their confidence. 
So John starts this section talking about what he calls antichrists. Antichrists who are doing this chipping away at the truth. Right? And when, we hear, when we hear the term antichrist, if, if your mind works like mine, immediately jump to the book of Revelation, right? Where, where the antichrist with a capital A is, is there and all the imagery, all the symbolism. And you think, oh, who is the antichrist and what is the, and what is the sign of the end? John's understanding of the antichrist here is very different than that. It's pretty simple. It is what, what it says it is. Anyone who stands against the truth of Jesus Christ is anti-Christ. Is the anti-Christ. So just being anti-Jesus is, is an anti-Christ. So verse 22. It says, who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the anti-Christ. He denies the Father and the Son. And so these believers are surrounded by Antichrist, by teachers who cultivate a lie. They deny the truth by proclaiming that Jesus is something other than than who we know him to be. And they don't blatantly deny the truth. In fact, John makes it clear here that these Antichrists came out from within them. They used to be part of the community of Jesus. They They used to know the truth of who Jesus was. And then, and then they subtly, subtly taught something different. And they're convincing like the serpent in the garden. They're pretty good at letting their theories chip away at the confidence of these believers. You know, you can look through church history. John doesn't name these antichrists. He doesn't explain what they're doing. But you can look through church history and, and see them. About this time, there was, there was one teacher who was an avowed enemy of John, who, who taught that Jesus and Christ were two separate beings. You have Jesus on one hand, you have Christ on the other. And he taught that this man, Jesus, a regular man, received the spirit of Christ at his baptism. That's what the baptism was, the spirit of Christ coming into this man, Jesus. And he shared that divine spirit until just before his crucifixion, and that spirit left him. And so who died on the cross was simply a man named Jesus. So Jesus was no more than a mere man, given this divine power for part of a time. So so it's not like he's he's preaching something totally opposite, but it's not true. It's not the way it works. Or there's a whole group of people at this time called the docetists, who who went to the other extreme and taught that Jesus was a spirit who only appeared to have a body. He never really did have a body. He was only a spirit. Or third, we know that there were the Gnostics at this time who twisted the message of Jesus to be that everything, everything physical was evil, they said. And so they believed that Jesus was a divine spirit that entered this, this physical body for just a time again. He certainly wasn't born of a virgin. He certainly wasn't fully human, fully divine. A lot of, a lot of different theories chipping away at truth. And these lies are taking away their confidence. They're beginning to doubt what they believe. They're beginning to wonder if maybe the lie is the truth. Is Jesus the Christ? The Son of God who came in flesh to die? Or do I have that wrong? So John reminds them of the truth again and again. Right? You, you can see it all through this passage, a short passage. Verse 21, he says, you do know the truth. Verse 24, he says, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. Verse 27, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. 
So he's telling them again and again, hold on strong to the truth that you know. Don't, don't be led astray. I think it's a call that we still need to hear today because lies and doubt still chip away at truth. The world around us will still try to convince us. They'll still try and tell us that it's crazy to believe what we call truth. It's crazy to believe this, this story about Jesus. That's what they'll tell you. They'll tell you that it's just a fantastic story. Right? It's a fantastic story that, that people use as an emotional crutch. It's for weak people who need that emotional crutch. Or, or it's, it's a story that, that pastors and church leaders use just to try and get all your money from you, right? It's just a story. So the question gets planted in our minds little by little, even as we stand firm against it, we, it still gets planted. Is, is Jesus really? Is this really true? What? what where does truth lie? That's the test of faith that we all face. John tells us, he says, he says, the test of your faith comes when you test the spirits in your heart and in your mind. We'll get to that when we get to John chapter 4. In 1 John chapter 4, he tells us, test those spirits. Test the truth. Test what's being taught you. If you want to know who to listen to, if you want to know if those whispers and doubts are, are right or wrong, where they stand, he says, what you need to do is you need to hold them up to the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, fully human, fully divine. If at the core of what you hear, if the core of the message that is being taught to you holds true to the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, if that's the center, then that's the truth. Anything that calls Jesus into question is what's trying to pull you away. Trying to pull you away from, from truth. So hold on tight to the truth of Jesus in the midst of the, the questions that will chip away at that truth. Like John, I can probably tell you I haven't taught you anything new here tonight. I'm just asking you to remember what you know. You know this. You've been taught the truth. You know what the Bible teaches about Jesus. You know who Jesus is and what Jesus did and, and what Jesus taught and what Jesus commands and what Jesus offers now and for eternity. You know that. You know the truth revealed in Jesus Christ question that remains and is do you remember it not just sitting here you know do you assent to a list of things yes check 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 but do you remember it throughout your life do, do you remember who jesus is and what he's done for you deep down in your heart if you do it will change and shape your daily life it will lead you to obedience to god motivated by an immense gratitude for who jesus is and what he's done it will lead you to a growing love for God as you, as you comprehend how great his love is for you. It will lead you to a growing love for each other as you remember what it means to live in the light and to imitate Jesus more and more and to love each other, to love this world, to love the lost as Jesus did. Right? Remembering the truth of Jesus, not just a checklist of facts, but remembering the truth of Jesus right down deep in your heart will, will, will grow the very roots of your faith. 
Right? When, when you peel away all the layers of who we are, when you peel away all the layers of what we do, and you come to the very core of your heart and of your soul, of what's really vital, what's really important, when you peel it all away, John says, you've got to find Jesus there. You've got to find Jesus. When the truth of Jesus Christ is at the core of each individual life, then your life, your life will be shaped and transformed through obedience and love. When the truth of Jesus Christ is at the core of his community, the church, then our relationships with each other and with the community around us will be shaped and transformed through that obedience and love. When the truth of Jesus Christ has been preserved and is then is proclaimed to the world all around us, then this whole creation will be renewed and restored and will respond in faith to God with love and obedience. Remember. Remember the truth that you already know. It's interesting. When Jesus stood before Pilate at his trial, Pilate who would ultimately condemn him. Remember Pilate asked one question, three words, profound. He asked, what is truth? remember Jesus didn't give him an answer probably because Pilate had the answer standing right in front of him I think his answer was look at me here I am because truth doesn't begin with a list of things that we need to check off on in our minds truth is a person at the core of our faith we believe in a person Jesus himself said it he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The ultimate tool to evaluate the strength and health of our faith is Jesus Christ at the core of who we are. And when we put Jesus there, when we put him at the core, not only of our minds, but our hearts and souls, when in faith we preserve and proclaim that truth, that we've been taught, and when we remember what we already know, then John says in this passage, then we will overcome. Then you will have true life. And you'll know what life is really all about. And John is simply echoing Jesus there. Jesus who declared in John chapter 8, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know truth, and the truth will set you free. That truth is Jesus. So again, like last week, John makes it clear here that a choice is necessary for us. Remember last week we had the choice. We can, we can stay out of the spotlight, the light of holiness and goodness, and we can hide in the darkness, ashamed of our sins, ashamed of our brokenness, or maybe enjoying our sin and brokenness, or we can hold on to Jesus' hand, be washed and forgiven, and step in to the holiness of Jesus Christ and and the goodness of God, and live in goodness instead of sin. Well, now this week, John says, you have a choice as well. You can, you can remember the truth of Jesus Christ, or you can forget that and embrace the truth of this world instead. And so this passage ends, verses 28 and 29, with a call to remember, to remain in the truth of Jesus. And now, dear children, continue in him. Continue. Don't go somewhere else. The world is calling you over to its side. 
says there are those who are trying to lead you astray. They're still there today. They're trying to lead you and me astray. Temptations, lies of this world, it causes us to doubt your faith, to doubt God's promises, to doubt that obedience is to God is really worth it, to doubt that God's way really is best. Okay, your, your name is continually being called by the world, Red Rover, Red Rover, come on over. You, come on over. Forget, forget that Jesus stuff. Come on over. And John says, remember the truth. Hold on and remember what you've been taught. Protect it deep in your minds and in your hearts. So tonight, it's wise for each of us to ask the question, Is Jesus at the center? Am I remembering? Am I holding on? When I peel back all the layers of my life, what, and find out what's really important to me, what excites me, what motivates me, what thrills me, what gives me purpose and meaning every day, do I find Jesus in that place? Or have I forgotten the truth that I've been taught? Remember, remember what you know. You pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the people you put into our lives who have taught us truth. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that allowed us and enabled us and empowered us to in faith accept that truth as our own. Thank you, Jesus for being our God, fully human, fully divine. Thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, dying a horrible death and rising again for us. May that truth be what motivates us, moves us, excites us, gets us up in the morning and sends us out for each day. Father, when the world's temptations, when the lies of this world begin to cause us to doubt, to wonder, remind us of the truth. Maybe you'll do that through this community, through people around us who call us back to truth. Maybe you'll do it through your word coming alive by the power of your spirit. Maybe you'll do it through your still small voice whispering in our ears, calling us back to your side to the side of the truth of Jesus Christ. However you do it, Lord, keep us rooted in the truth. Keep us holding on and help us to remember what we so easily forget. Your love, your grace, your goodness, the truth of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.